Welcome to the South Dakota Soybean Pod, brought to you by South Dakota Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Tom Stever, discussing the incredible soybean, the people who grow it, and why that crop is so important. David Iverson chaired the World Initiative for Soy and Human Health, the WISH Committee, for three years. He's also a former director on the United Soybean Board. The Brookings County farmer grows soybeans and corn near Astoria, South Dakota. He calls himself passionate about farming and considers it a privilege to be the fourth generation on his farm. My great-grandfather moved on to the current farm that we operate more than 100 years ago and uh, feel privileged to be a part of that family legacy to uh, continue uh, growing crops and preserving the land. When you talk about that you're proud to be part of that, that's natural to feel that way. What went through your mind when making the choice to stay on that farm? I remember being in high school and helping my dad on the farm at that time, really hoping that the opportunity for me to continue farming would be there. I have two brothers and two sisters, so I I didn't know exactly what their interests would be. My two brothers went into other careers. The opportunity came for me to join in with my dad on the farm and have been doing that for more than 40 years, working with my dad, farming uh, on a day-to-day basis. What can you tell me about those generations that preceded you on the farm? I have a lot of appreciation for the hard work that they did, going from animal-powered harvesting and planting to mechanized, and now when we're using auto steer and a lot of modern technology to record our crop, the yields on it, just some of the challenges that my grandfather and what my dad, what they went through. My grandfather did not have great health. He had been ill when he was younger. And so when combines came on the scene, he was one of the first ones to adapt that because it was easier than doing thrashing. And my dad remembers as a grade school student going to country school and the neighbor boys teasing him about having a combine because they're putting all the weed seeds out back out in the field. And and here he was a, a forerunner of technology. Sometimes people in industry are not always great to embrace a new technology, but I think that's just a great example of using the technology available at the time to do the job better and easier. You are connected with the World Initiative for Soy and Human Health through your directorship with South Dakota Soybean and also with the United Soybean Board. Tell me about your connection with WISH first. A number of years ago, it's more than 10 years ago, I had the opportunity to serve on the World Initiative for Soy in Human Health, WISH. And it was to represent South Dakota on that committee. Uh, South Dakota Soybean Checkoff has been a strong supporter of that financially. And with that support comes the opportunity to have a place on the committee. And so I was able to serve in that capacity. It's considered a real honor to represent South Dakota and to represent soybean farmers in that way. What is WISH? It's a world initiative for soy and human health, and it is the soybean industry's market development to go into areas that may not have much knowledge of how to utilize soybeans in their current industry. It may be in in human consumption. It could be in feeding animals, feeding aquaculture, and with the intent to create a market, create trade using U.S. soybeans 
and to better their nutrition, to better their economic status, and it's usually in an emerging market. So talk to me about what WISH does in your view. I think WISH does work that can improve the living standard of the country and the specific community that they do work with, either in creating economic development, or it could be improving the nutrition of the school. A lot of the work that WISH does is in the developing countries, either in sub-Saharan Africa, in Asia, and in uh, Central America, where there is a lot of impoverished people. And soy can play a big part in that, either by providing soy meal to supplement their human consumption or in soy milk. So I've seen firsthand where soy milk is introduced into a school feeding program and it provides a much-needed protein source for the school-aged children. Talk to me about the history of WISH. How did that get going? It's under the uh, American Soybean Association. It was an outreach that they wanted to reach out into areas and to reach out into human consumption of soy. Since the start of WISH, they've expanded into animal feed and aquaculture feed, but very much focusing on emerging and uh, developing countries and creating new markets where soy maybe hasn't been a part of their diet and introducing and teaching them how to utilize soy in their diet. I want to go into your personal observations of WISH, the World Initiative for Soy and Human Health. Where have you seen WISH programs implemented and become effective? I've had the opportunity to travel to uh, Guatemala and, and Nicaragua. That was my first exposure of the work that they were doing. To see the U.S. soy being used gave me a lot of pride to know that a product that is grown in the U.S. by U.S. farmers being utilized to help improve nutrition of school-age children, to seeing the happy faces of kids that are getting a soy milk supplement, and a lot of times these are uh, being implemented by organizations that have boots on the ground. It's not a, an organization built just for WISH. WISH partners with people that have boots on the ground to help implement these that know the culture and know the needs of the students, of the children. And so to me, it's a win-win to see U.S. soy being used by organizations that have boots on the ground that are implementing it and doing it in a really positive way. So how did you get involved with WISH? I was asked by uh, our executive director at the time, uh, Betty Hansen, if this is something I would be interested in. She knew some of my interest in international development. My family and my wife's family have, have a long history of family working internationally and working in development. To me, it was a great fit for me as a farmer to be involved in an organization that is using trade, but using it to help develop new markets and to improve the lives and livelihood of people locally. What have you seen personally in terms of WISH program successes and maybe a country turning into a viable U.S. soybean customer resulting from the activity from WISH? One example I can think of is in Uganda in West Africa, where the WISH committee has partnered with people that are implementing uh, soy in, in a variety of ways and very much a commercial business. But initially, it was just introducing soy 
in the local market and adding it to a staple that they had on their market and adding some soy into their feed and also into their food for people. And that now has become a viable market where U.S. soy is being uh, imported into Uganda and being used in a very positive way and, and it's a viable market for our U.S. soybeans. How do you see South Dakota soybeans supporting WISH? South Dakota soybean, I, I think to me, it's a great example of using our soybean checkoff dollars, creating new markets, developing new opportunities for soybeans to come in. And, and whether it's specifically soybeans grown on my farm or farms from South Dakota, that may not always be the case. It can be. But if we can create new markets and expand the markets for U.S. soybeans, that's a benefit for all soybean producers. As a soybean producer in South Dakota, that benefits me as well. So what does a successful WISH program look like, and what does that success mean for South Dakota farmers? I think a successful WISH program means that we've created a market, identified a market for U.S. soybeans, and then it becomes a viable trade option. And then it can go from an emerging market to an expanding market. If success continues, it can be a mature market where their first source for U.S. soy will be what they want. They'll come to U.S. soy before going to other places and being a mature market where it's an ongoing market. So that's the success where it becomes commercialized and creates a demand for U.S. soy. You mentioned earlier Uganda as an example of what you have seen as successful how would you rate that market? Is Uganda now maturing as a U.S. market for soybeans? It's not at, at a mature state yet. It's still uh, in an emerging market with a lot of potential for growth. Throughout most of sub-Sahara Africa, there's tremendous opportunity for U.S. soy to be utilized in their diets. Let's talk about some of the uh, emerging markets that you see right now as potential. What are those markets and where do you see that should be considered for a WISH program? I think in Asia, there's a number of opportunities and the aquaculture aspect. There's a lot of fish that are consumed throughout Asia and a lot of those fish are now coming from farms and utilizing feed and that feed source can include more soy in it. Soy is a great source of protein to feed aquaculture. So I think throughout Asia, there's a number of different countries where WISH has opportunity to expand. And also in Central America, the same opportunity to expand into the aquaculture market. What do you see as uh, future goals for WISH? What are those goals? I think just to uh, continue creating trade opportunities for U.S. soy. Since I first got the exposure to WISH more than 10 years ago, the opportunities where they are expanding are way beyond the scope that I initially was introduced to, where it was primarily for just human consumption, and now it's reaching out into uh, feed components to feed swine, poultry, and aquaculture in developing countries and opportunity to get trade for U.S. soy established. You and I have talked about this before, but talking about soy protein specifically, you have mentioned, as far as WISH is concerned, the soy cow. Tell us a, a bit about that and how that has really helped those destinations that need it the most. 
Right. The soy cow uh, had the opportunity to see one working on the ground in Uganda. It takes raw soybeans and using U.S. soybeans imported into the country, and where that soy cow will process those beans on site, either using a small generator or can't even be human-powered using a bicycle to generate the power to do it. The end product can be soy milk that can be used to feed humans, and in that case that I saw specifically, school-aged children right at the school that can utilize that soy milk from a soy cow. You also mentioned, of course, animal feeds. How has South Dakota used soy protein through livestock? In South Dakota, we uh, utilize a lot of our soybean meal in rations that are, are fed to hogs at all stages of development and also in the poultry side. Dairy will use soy meal in their diets as well. So I think as those animal species expand in South Dakota, South Dakota Soybean partners with all those entities, pork, poultry, and the dairy, to help them in their using soybean meal but also in expanding opportunities to get more animals because there are more animals that are using soybean meal. That's better for us as soybean producers. I want to get to know you a little bit better just as what you do when you're not farming, when you're not traveling on behalf of WISH. What are your hobbies, David? I enjoy doing uh, yard work. In our yard, we have quite a few flower gardens, and I love taking care of the yard, the lawn, and taking pride in our yard, our property. It just gives me a lot of satisfaction. also enjoy going on bike rides to get some exercise and just to get out and to see some of the countryside riding bike. Do you just bike around your home? Or? For the most part, yep, yep. Just go on an hour ride, hour and a half ride, and make a loop and come back home. And I understand that the gardening part of this, the flower gardening, you work with your wife on this. Yes, absolutely. Uh, my wife, Miriam, loves being creative and using her creativity in the yard to make flower beds and utilizing a certain type of flowers at certain places. So we work together on that to create a place that's our home. So what do you think of the future of South Dakota farmers? Talk to me about what that looks like to you. Right now, the opportunities are great. We have great prices. We have great demand for both corn and soybeans and major crops in the state and wheat as well. So there's great opportunities. Our prices are good, and so we're thankful on many levels. As a future, looking down the road a number of years, I think there will be opportunities for farmers to expand their livestock. And I think that needs to be an important part of the discussion. How do we, in a healthy manner, environmentally, and good neighbors, to expand our livestock, which is it's very important for the whole economic status of our state to continue uh, being aware of how to expand our livestock is important. I'm just very thankful for the opportunity as a career for me to follow one of my passions of being involved in agriculture, growing a crop, and even with the challenges that we can't control weather and trying to control the things we do, it just gives me a lot of satisfaction to be in an industry that is producing food and fiber and fuels for our neighbors and for the world. Cyclist, flower gardener, fourth generation soybean and corn grower, David Iverson is a past chairman of the WISH Committee and a past director of the United Soybean Board. The South Dakota Soybean Pod comes to you courtesy of South Dakota soybean farmers and their checkoff. 
Be sure to subscribe to the South Dakota Soybean Pod wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at sdsoybean.org. We're also on the air. Check out the South Dakota Soybean Network, heard each week on several South Dakota radio stations. Thank you for listening. This is the South Dakota Soybean Pod. I'm Tom Stever. <music>